Oh, by the way, Owen, before yes. we actually get started, yeah, I want you to know, I was taking a trip down my stairs to go to the bathroom this morning. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Trip down my stairs. Who trip down the like stairs? That? I don't know. Just walking down the stairs. <laughs> Just leave me alone. Yep, yep. I was walking down the stairs and I get to the bottom step and I look over. And there's the corner of my couch and sitting on the corner of my couch. This is the box. cable. Yeah, no, it's in a box. It's already okay. got a label. It just hasn't made it to the post office, which is at like half a block from my house. I want you to know that I normally don't check my mailbox, and I checked it on Saturday twice, and I checked it on <laughs> Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday because I'm eagerly awaiting this damn thing to show up. Last time we talked about this, you said I'm the most patient guy you've ever met. <laughs> I'm pretty patient. You are testing my goddamn well, that's, patience. That's kind of the goal. Like, we got to test it out. All right. Does that mean Owen's still playing on sub 1080p? <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> that hurts my heart so much. Um, welcome to the forecast episode 30. Uh, thanks so much for joining in. This is a bi-weekly podcast we produce every other Thursday or fortnightly if you're Alex. Yeah. Um, this is, I'm going to stop saying it soon. Yeah. Uh, we are Fortnite. a community of people. We love exploring, discussing new products, the time. Uh, ideas in entertainment, in games, in board games. Would you shut your mouth? <laughs> you um, can't tell him what to do. I can tell him what to do. Okay. Yes, I can. All right. uh, you can follow us at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash We Are The Horizon Community, or you can check out our website at wearethehorizon.com. Oh, wait, it's um, .com? Yeah. What did you think it was? I may have plugged it in the other podcast is .net. Really? <laughs> what? <laughs> Who even does that? Who uses .net? <laughs> Who even uh-huh. uses that? What other know. podcast? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to look it up. There's going to be somebody else on that now. We yeah, it was on are the, the horizon.net. Site can't be reached. Great. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Obama. Thanks. Wow. We'll fix it in post. It's fine. So uh, we are coming back after two PAX podcasts, our uh, pre-PP and our post-PP, as okay. Alex has so aptly named. Um, so we missed quite a few things over the past four weeks of just uh, games coming out, um, just life in general. Most of what we talked about was related to packs, the panels, the games we saw, and all that fun stuff. So uh, to start things off, I thought we would talk about um, Mass Effect Andromeda because it obviously came out. What day did it come out? The 21st? Uh, something like that? Something like that? Sure. It um, came out, uh, yes, on the 21st. You're correct. Wonderful. Um, okay, so uh, since we've all played single player and multiplayer, let's just start with single player. Um, I don't know how many hours people have have, have had in this game so far, but last week we talked... Oh my 55. gosh! Wait, you've oh, done 55 hours in multiplayer? 51. In single player, you have 51 no, in, hours? In, in total. In single player, oh. it's like 30. Oh my gosh. You're ridiculous, sir. Okay, <laughs> well... Let's uh, start with Caleb then. Um, <laughs> last week we talked about. Oh, hey, Chad. 
Hello. Hey. Uh, last week we talked about a review of Mass Effect that was absolutely just, just bad. Um, does it have any merit? Let's start there. The review? Uh, yeah, it has some. I mean, not. I feel like not much. Any review that's that over the top, sort of. I don't. I don't know. I don't give hey, them much hey, Caleb, credit. How bad is that UI? Okay, the UI. Yeah, is like. Don't tell me that it doesn't one have of merit. Two things that is terrible, but any review that's that over the top and angry, I don't give much credit at all. Yeah, they definitely did jump off of the deep end of it, and it is a much better game than they led on to believe. But they had very, very good points. One of which is the UI is piss awful. Yeah, it's essentially seems like a UI that was developed for console and then not really ported in any meaningful way to pc <laughs> yeah guess what i play what? most of that single player with the controller and you guys pretty good that hurts me <laughs> that, that hurts a lot because it's a shooter that hurts me i mean most of what i'm doing is just like pressing the shoulder buttons to launch abilities and occasionally shooting playing the game like, the whole reason why I play with the controller is because I want analog movement and I want analog uh, looking. What what do I call this? Panning. <laughs> Panning, yeah, I guess. There we go. Sure. Uh, because I want the cinematic feel. to. So like when I'm walking through spaceships and stuff like that, I will purposely That's... only push the stick a little bit so I walk like a normal human because I, I want to feel like it, like in the universe, you know? I like. I totally respect that. I'm not just sprinting to literally every place I go to ever in a game. There, there I, is a walk button. There, there is, is a walk, walk button. which you informed yes. me of, which I did not know about. <laughs> so there is that that fixes it. But there's still like camera movement with a, a mouse is always jittery. It kind of tends to take me out of it a little bit. Just and as much GTI, as a bunch, maybe as much what as, you should do yeah. is play with your controller until you get to action sequence, and then just immediately switch to your mouse and keep which. Working. I told Caleb and Jake when I was talking about it before, sometimes if it's like a longer combat sequence, I will just put down the controller and just put my hands on the keyboard and mouse and play the combat with keyboard and mouse. But like, I don't know. I just, it feels better to like be in the universe and immersed with the controller. Sure. Um, and as much as I struggle to remain immersed in that game, there's like, some bugs and some certain animations that will take me out of it too. So some every, <laughs> everything some I can do to try to term for limit it. my immersion breaking. I am going to do, you know, you know, I mean, don't mass don't effect you... two is maybe my favorite game of all time. So I'm a huge fan okay. of the series. Okay. I feel, you know, you bring up the point about using a controller. I, I get the like slow down walk. This game is beautiful. Um, and this is coming from where I've never played any Mass Effects. In fact, I've literally, this is my first Bioware game ever. Um, we've, we, I've discussed every other Bioware game made, and I've never played a single one. So this is the first one I've ever played. So I can kind of get the slowdown speed. But you judge me all the time when I use controller to play games on PC. Yeah, games that you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> when you're playing like Doom. Which oh, is a fast-paced so Twitch shooter with a it's, controller. I'm just telling you right now, if Chad, do you play Doom with a controller or do you play with mouse and keyboard? Uh, I played mouse and keyboard, but that game required that. 
It snaps. Oh, see. <laughs> I didn't think it did. I played the whole, that, I, all of it, beat it all with with uh, controller. That game was too fast paced for me to to realistically yeah. like. You gotta speed up your thumb twitchiness, controller. guys. You gotta get those extenders that they put so you could just be super precise. You know, that are like an inch tall on your thumbsticks, and then turn your sensitivity <laughs> way up. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, so if to, you were playing like Gears or something, I wouldn't get well, on you. Okay. By using a controller. Yes, that's true. Um, so back to Mass Effect. You said that well, obviously the UI is bad. What what else in Mass Effect? You said there were two things. Yeah, the UI, absolutely terrible. And the facial animations are not great. <laughs> and there are some bugs. Some bugs that are really cool. Like earlier when, when Ryder was just talking to somebody and she decided to spin her head all the way around and have that's her neck like me. twist up all creepy. It was terrifying, but it was awesome. <laughs> but I don't think that was intended. I just feel like if you've had this many years to make this game, that it should be more polished than it is, and bugs like that, that, as Alex has said, breaks his immersion, shouldn't be there. Like, there is a character that is supposed to look very upset, and he's waving his arms around, but when I talked to him, his arms are literally being waved through his body. And at mm. that point, I have now just lost any, it, as Alex has said, I've now just been taken out of the game, and all I'm watching, I don't care about the cutscene and what they're talking about, I'm now just watching this dude's arm just spaz through his arm. How long has it been since Mass Effect 3 came out? Does anybody know? Five know. years? Yeah, something five like five years. years. Okay, so five years to make this game. Which, by the way, if you have not played this game, I did not realize how big the game was. And then I got to space, and then I was like, oh gosh. It's huge. Yeah. I will say, uh, space is pretty. They did a great job with that. And they mentioned that at PAX of how pretty space is, and it is pretty. I want to jump back to this this thing about all the bugginess. So, I think this is a problem not just in EA and Bioware. This is a problem in video gaming culture almost, like the industry itself. All of these games come out so buggy, they're not polished in any way like they used to be. Except right? I don't I... know why this is happening, but it's, it's a trend that's been, like, I think, getting worse and worse. I can't ima- like I can't remember a game that had a bug like that that broke my immersion so much. Like for instance, I've been playing Zelda on my Switch and that game isn't perfect, but there is no point in time that I'm like glitching through people. When and- you put octopus balls on the raft and make it into a floaty thing, you don't feel like you're like out of immersion realm. I mean, no, yeah, it's just you're awesome. doing if you're doing stuff like that, like that's something completely different. That's like it, a meshing of game mechanics that yeah brings about something completely unique that you didn't think you could do, but it was like, oh crap, I can actually do that. Yeah. See, but I'm not like in a cutscene or talking to somebody, and then all of a sudden, like something just like goes right through them. Yeah. Who? Somebody here had an experience with a cutscene where the person was like standing facing a wall. I yeah, so we have a, all had that issue, I think. There's an issue like if you're trying to talk to somebody and they're like briskly walking across the room and you hit the button to talk to them, they'll like keep walking a couple steps before they stop. 
and then they just stop wherever they stopped after the couple steps and start talking to you. So like, I'll be like, Hey, Hey, I want to say something. And then she's like three steps past me facing a wall. and like, Oh, Hey writer. Like <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. I guess that we're going to have this conversation like this now. I also like had a this. conversation once where somebody was telling a story and Ryder just shut her eyes and didn't open them again for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> like she was just completely ignoring the conversation. It was great. I feel like this game could have used like six more months and they put it out because they were meeting the end of the fiscal year. That makes sense. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, I mean, time to push it out. Going back to what Caleb's saying about games in general, though, um, I think... It's a mixture of things like uh, one game development's getting more complicated as time goes on because that's true. We keep on getting more powerful hardware that can do more things, process more things at a time. Graphics are more expensive to render, like all this stuff. And also, we're at a point where nearly everybody that's playing games has an internet connection and can receive patches. Whereas, like when you had your PS2, you went to the store, you bought your game, and that was it. That was the version of the game you had forever. Right. So if there was tons of game breaking bugs in a game like that. There's no fix. Yeah, there's no fix. Like you couldn't really do anything about it. That makes sense. Excellent points. Well, that's also probably the reason we're seeing. I mean, that's why alpha and betas are just so much more a thing anymore. We can put stuff out, figure out issues. Proliferation of early access. access. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Early access. Haven't heard that enough. Um... There's okay, like so certain that's... genres of video games that I think are just early access, like yeah. survival games and survival like, crafting. Uh, crafting. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> like the the new the uh, genre of just like the King of the Hill or uh, battle royale t- style games. Yeah, mm-hmm. that are all coming out. They're all in early access. Like none of them are actually finished. Pretty much that's any true. game that has any sort of complex crafting system forever in early access. Who knows if it'll ever be out? I mean. Look at the forest, or look at Stranded Deep, or look at Day-Z. Uh, the Culling Daisy. Yeah, I mean the amount of the time. New big those... one, the oh new big gosh. one's a uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. That's I saw like that. The top yeah. seller on Steam now. Early access. It's a battle looks... royale game. Yeah. Uh, too that much comes early from access. the one of the developers of Arma Two that originally made the first battle royale mod. He like split off and is now making a for profit individual. Battle Royale game. Wow. Start off making a mod, turn into making a full game. Interesting. Um, so we talked about the negative things from uh, Mass Effect and Drama Single Player. Uh, obviously, there's got to be some positives in there from somebody. As I was saying, the space is beautiful. All of the planets are beautiful. Yeah, uh, environments are really well done, I think. Um, I like the, a lot of the armor stuff. Um, the new characters are all right for the most part. Like PB is really cool. PB is pretty uh, neat. I like Drac a lot. The Brogan. Vetra is very cool. Vetra is awesome. Uh, so you get a female Terrian this time. That's really cool. Um, I think the idea of making a hard split from the Milky Way and having this whole be a brand new universe and not just like a add on to Mass Effect Three or like trying to continue that story in some way good idea and i like the new universe and how you're having this like star trek style new interactions with species that we've never met before that nobody's ever met before um, the, the two new ones yeah. yeah not very impressed with the lack of new races 
It takes oh, a lot of development, trying. Caleb. You know? It takes a lot of development. If you would have been on their team, that doesn't even probably that. had like you just make a new model. <laughs> and then you like apply it a bunch. Change colors See? a little bit. Okay, that's another thing. Okay, why do all the Asari have like the same exact facial structure? Like all of them. Have you noticed that? Because yeah. they were all made off of that one model that was at PAX this year. They all look the same. <laughs> they all I was a little confused by that. I don't know if that's something in the backstory or what. Maybe just all it clones, is. maybe. Maybe they just all look very similar. Maybe so. Maybe that's another new thing we're learning, along with how um, the other race is all... Uh, their memories are all perfect. What, who is Salarians? Oh, yeah, Salarians. Salarians all have perfect uh, have, yeah, photographic memories. memories yeah. Fem- photographic memories. Which, over the course of three games, I don't think I ever heard before. Yeah, Jake said they've never mentioned that before. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> and this is like a casual like mention in this one. Like, oh yeah, we all have photographic memories. Mm. Um... Single player is great. Let's talk for a second about the multiplayer. Uh, I think we've all played, well, except Chad's in here now, so Chad's the only one who hasn't got to experience uh, multiplayer Mass Effect. Um, you guys played Mass Effect, uh, Mass Effect 3's multiplayer, which it sounds like everybody loved, and that's one of the reasons they were excited about Andromeda. Uh, to me, this multiplayer feels super duper repetitive. Is that just me? How much have you played? I mean, I feel like I've played a couple hours of multiplayer, and it feels like the same thing every time I play. Uh, is that not? I think, I mean, it kind of is, but I mean, you play zombies with Chad, and that's I a feel really like valid that's the point. Same thing, <laughs> but this, I mean, this is a little different because you have overall progression for abilities and stuff, which is more like why I like it in the beginning. It wasn't as fun, I think, uh, as it's starting to get to now because there's there's a point, I think around uh, when you get close to level 10 is when it really comes out a little bit and you get to start doing some cool stuff. Like your abilities are to a certain power level that you feel cool when you're doing stuff. Like Mm. uh, at a certain point with um, my second character there, I was taking down some of the really big dudes with like a, like throwing three grenades at them in a row because I upgraded my grenade capacity to a certain point and upgraded its uh, armor damage level and all this stuff. So it was like this big monster that we usually are really afraid of and we're all taking time to take down is just like, oh yeah, that dude, I'm just going to knock down like 75% of his health like right here. Let's go. And you're like, yeah, that's it. And then Caleb's like, oh man, Alex just wrecked that guy. And then I feel cool. <laughs> there you confirm. go. Is that what it is? <laughs> Did happen. Is that what you need? Well, you need you need words of affirmation in right, game. Right. Uh, no, would it be I mean, better I if know. it was Plus, like? Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, would it be better if it was like in character words of affirmation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Caleb, you need to work on that. Plus, mm, there's like the whole aspect of unlocking different characters that have different abilities as well. So, and then yeah. leveling them up, see how their abilities change. And you can try different builds and stuff. I don't know. It's it's neat. And it, it gets more fun if you actually pick good comps. Uh, for instance, we haven't if you have a bunch of biotic people, difficulty levels either. Yeah, we do. And you have somebody else who has some you know biotic primer so that you can cause explosions constantly with them. It's more fun. Stuff like that. 
I will say I feel like they did a very good job this time around making everybody feel somewhat powerful. Like there hasn't been a single class that I've played in multiplayer that I didn't feel like I could just make this person a badass and start destroying everything. Yeah. Because I, I definitely remember in... I de definitely remember when we were playing Mass Effect 3 multiplayer that there were characters that I would pick and they just felt weak to me. And especially considering other also just in general we didn't mention it in the the positive things about the game but the combat in this game is really good oh yeah it's awesome that's one of the positives i love the you don't have to activate your cover thing i don't i mean you guys know this especially I don't play with the a lot added of... mobility that they get, yeah. gave you in this game the ability mm -hmm. to get in and out of cover without pressing a button like you're just kind of around stuff you're hopping you're moving you're dodging Although I have found just a couple things about the cover system. I have found that there is significant amount of knockback just from regular projectile in the game. So if you're hopping up to aim and then you just kind of expect that you're going to fall back behind cover, that doesn't always happen. I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but um, I have not had that issue. Yeah, several times. And I, I don't know what difficulty you guys are playing on. I'm playing on hardcore, I think. The one yeah. right below, insane. Um, and I have had significant times where I get just get pushed back from the whatever cover I'm under. When I lift up the fire, somebody will shoot me. It'll push me back, and then I don't get uh, kind of pressed back down into cover automatically. So I have to reapproach. I don't know if that's just me. Maybe it is. I've not run into that. Okay. They definitely improved the cover system from three because in three you use the same button to get in and out of cover, and if you were in cover, you were stuck in cover until you use that button to get out of cover which became a pain since it was the shift button and the take cover button. Or not the take, mm. the revive button. Mm. Or, or like the A button on the controller. Um, so let's talk about, we'll <laughs> shuffle over here to uh, the other, I guess we can call it a AAA title that came out in March, which was Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands. Owen, Owen, I'm sorry. You don't play okay. Wildlands. Sorry, I'll be silent. Um, <laughs> the uh, I feel like every time we play a game, it's always Owen's. Owen's the odd man out. He's number five. <laughs> close, close betas, specifically. Um, Owen has to be the fill. I understand <laughs> my role. I'm support. Uh, so Ghost Recon, Ghost Recon Wildlands came out. Several of us have been playing on and off, um, mainly because we have not had too many opportunities to play all four of us at the same time. Um, but I think Chad's definitely had the most experience with it. Yeah, I was going to ask Chad if you could give some feedback on kind of what you've seen in game, what you think about it. Blah 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 blah. Um, well, I've had the most experience with uh, the NPCs of the game. And I've so, had zero experience with the NPCs. Yeah, and that's so that's one of the things is that like you guys have been playing like whenever we play together. Uh, it's basically whenever you guys play, and and you don't get NPCs when you play. In a four-man squad, but basically, there's a lot of exploitation that you can do with the NPCs. So I think that they kind of screwed up with that, um, just because you can literally like it's supposed to be like a squad tactical, like you know, silently going in and guerrilla warfare. Because the beginning of the game it actually states in a cutscene that uh, we know there's only four people, 
but hey, we could do it with four people. So I, I think I enjoyed that that little cutscene that they did at the beginning there. Um, but for some reason, your guys are able to teleport to you at all <laughs> sections of the game, uh, and so you're able to basically like run in, get like downed, and then get picked back up, and then just kill the rest of them, and move on. Um, and so like I try not to play that way, but like there's sometimes where I get impatient and I kind of just go and run and gun uh, with the squad. But I think um, there's there's going to be a lot of farming in that game when it comes to leveling up. Uh, but that's just my experience right now with uh, just getting skill points and resources and not just playing through the campaign, like the storyline, because I was yeah. like waiting for you all. I will say one thing. I did play a little bit with NPCs, I, I remember now, um, because I tried out the sync shot with NPCs. Have you done that, Chad? Yeah, it's kind of stupid, in my uh, opinion, unless I've not done it right. Uh, well, basically, you just line them up, and then they tell you when you're ready, and then you hit sync shot, and it's almost always a dead shot, a dead eye shot. I feel like the NPCs are better at sync shot than we are as a group. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they never I've, miss. Every time I've done sync shot, my guys just never fire. Oh, you have to force them to fire. So when you select multiple people to sync shot, then you use the same command again when you're about to shoot your guy. Or when you fire upon your guy after they've already set up, then they automatically shoot at the other three people. That could make more sense. Yeah. Why I'm always the only one shooting. <laughs> I was reading a review that like the guy was talking about how he just basically broke the game because all he ever did was just sit around the outskirts of a town, set up three sync shots... And then, like, not shoot his dude, just let the NPCs shoot, and then just do it again. And, yep. like, basically, you just let the NPCs kill the entire base, and then you just waltz in. Because they never miss their shots. No, they never do, on sync shot. Holy The crap. only time they miss their shot is if they actually walk behind cover when they're supposed to do their sync shot. But then they'll just tell you that they can't shoot. Like, you know, their, their little number will start flashing. Like, I don't know, I, you know, I no longer have the ability to target this person. But that's funny that he just basically broke the game that way. I think the game's beautiful. Um, oh my gosh. I've been roaming around kind of trying to find skill points like in any location that I can get like into. Um, I think it's really fun to fly helicopters and planes in that game, especially in the higher tier zones because there's a lot of uh, Sam turrets that try to wreck you and you just keep being ridiculous in your helicopter flying out of the way. Um, I look forward to playing more of the story, though. That's the only thing that's missing from my gameplay experience right now. Um, I'm pretty much maxed out on physical and maxed out on weapon, uh, because I've just been kind of goofing around Roaming. with with uh stealing resources and stuff like that. I'm at the point though where I need 10k medical, and that's so much. <laughs> By far um, the most impressive aspect of the game is the draw distance. I don't know how they did it, just really. Just about to comment on that. Yes. It's so pretty. If I, had to, if I had to actually compare this game to their recent release, which was Division, though, it, it's kind of like really, it's really similar um, in gameplay. I think the only difference is that like uh, Wildlands is more... They try to be more squad-based tactical, and then the gathering of resources and skill points is different than uh, the Division gameplay. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you took 
like the Diablo out of Division, you basically have wild wildlands, essentially. So the picking up of loot, essentially. Yeah, well, like you're constantly getting new armor pieces and new weapons and stuff like that in the division, and that's kind of yeah. not in Wildlands. But you still have a couple key abilities. The abilities in Division are more RPG esque, um, but the, you have similar types of stuff in Wildlands where you have explosives or you have a drone yeah. or. And I'm whatever. not sure if that's going to hurt or hinder the end game of this because I know Division was basically going to be like, hey, you can keep playing, you can keep getting loot. But Wildlands, it seems like once you beat the game, you're going to pretty much be able to just roam around killing people and, and that's going to be like end game Grand Theft Auto. For what it's worth though, this game seems like it's going to be a long multi or long single player. Like the campaign itself if you look at the map of people, unless as you start killing people off, you inevitably get to the boss of bosses much quicker than killing off literally everyone. I mean, it's going to take some time. Yeah. Um, and we've started to see some additional, you know, like the very first two territories we were in, most of the campaigns were almost, or most of the uh, missions were almost exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But we recently did one where you surveilled uh, based on your drone, which was totally cool. And unlike nothing else we had done so far, so... Hopefully we begin to see a bit more of that. I think one, also... Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, the one thing I was going to make a comment on draw distance, Alex and Caleb, I do agree that it's insane, but it drives me nuts because as a sniper, uh, things don't actually show up on the map past 650 meters. So I can't park way far back and have you guys... You know, I can't park a thousand meters away and have you guys way up in the base and see people it will only draw what is within my range or my radius so you even if you the mark them three yeah we need distance <laughs> um, you mean you can't literally see people no you literally can't see anybody past 650 meters i'm pretty sure that's a setting or something somewhere because i've definitely seen like thousand meter shots on the subreddit yeah, yeah there's thousand meter shots you know how they do that they have somebody down there i watched a video of a guy doing it they basically you know how you um you grab a guy and, and interrogate him. So they grabbed a person and held them there, interrogated them, and then the guy lined up the shot until he shot the person, and it was a thousand meters away. Huh. This, you can't physically see people that far. You can't mark them that far. Even your drone can't detect them that far. So you're kind of limited by that one specific range, which is about 650 meters. So Interesting. Um... Any other I, comments? What, I think that I was saying there's not going to be a lot to do end game, uh, but at the same time, as I've been roaming around, I've been having a blast just kind of like uh, exploring some of the map, which I won't get into like details, but there's some really cool like locations uh, on the map that they kind of, um, it's just very well designed. It's right. Um, it's, it's got a lot of meat to it to where you can have a lot of fun just exploring it uh, after you've beat the game. But I think also with your comment of how long it's going to take to beat it, uh, you might actually explore a lot of that um, as well. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully. I'm, I'm excited to see that continue on and play some more of the campaign because it's really, it's really good so far. Uh, let's move on to some smaller games that have come out in the past four weeks where we've been gone. Um, we have three things that we wanted to talk about. Disc Jam, Shift Happens, and Skyjacker. Um, 
Who I'm Alex and Chad are you the only are you the only two people who played disc jam in here because it costs nah. freaking money and I don't want to pay money for it? I was about to say no, but then I forgot you said it in here. Uh yes. <laughs> in who general knew that video games cost money. Dang it, I just want everything free to play, Alex. So weird. Free to play. None with of the other uh, games that we've talked about in the podcast yet have cost money. I know. I know. Free to play with <laughs> in-game purchases only, please. Uh, so tell me about Disc Jam. The it's, Rocket League similar game, I guess, I wouldn't right? say it's Rocket League similar. I mean, the only way, reason it's Rocket League similar is because it's teams of two. And, uh, uh, teams of two, it's an points. arena. There, there's a goal essentially behind you. Um, so it's it's very similar to soccer. It's... Um, like tennis. No, what was that game you played in in like high school gym or gym speedball? Where there were yes, yeah, speedball. <laughs> is it like speedball? How did I guess that? It I is. freaking <laughs> love speedball. I was so good at it. It's like speedball, but you have a net in front of you, so you can't pass the net. So it's like speedball tennis. So it's like speedball lacrosse tennis. It is tennis, except for if you took that scene from Tron where they have the disc battle. In the arena, dude, and use so that instead like, of tennis rackets. It's like balls. speedball with some tennis and lacrosse, also some Tron and some pickleball, all tied together. Who said it's, pickleball? It's like tennis. So we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, so you have you have uh, you can do one on ones or two v twos, and uh, I personally think two v twos are way more fun. Um, you have usually a person forward and a person back, and you have options of Throwing the, ball, uh, the disc in a curve, throwing it straight or passing it to your partner or flopping it. Uh, so you can literally just like chuck it and like make it land really close it's to their lob. side. Yeah, it's a lob. Um, and so all of these buttons are, I think it's like X is just to flop it. A is to throw it straight uh, and triggers are to curve it as well as uh, wherever you're holding the analog stick. Um is where it will also do a bigger curve and stuff like that. So it's the it's kind of complex and it's it, it, it's hard to get used to. It's not really complex. It's just hard to get used to uh, if you're not you know thinking that way I while playing it. In the same way that it's difficult to do air control in Rocket League, it's difficult to curve the disc in a split second the exact way you want to curve it. Come on, bro. Aerials, let's go. Accurate. Get, get on our level. Uh, a lot of times I'm just curving it randomly because I'm not really considering how I'm like twisting the stick. So a lot of how I curve the disc is doing like quarter, cir- quarter circles and half circles on the stick while, I th- while you throw it. Um, and it'll like basically put spin on it and curve the disc. Um, it also, the disc bounces off the sides of the walls and your whole objective is to hit the back wall. Or get it to hit the ground by doing a uh, a lob. If you do a lob, it'll hit the ground, and that'll count as a point as also, if they don't catch it. Um, so it's like really competitive, really fast. Uh, it's basically Windjammers. If anybody's ever played Windjammers, old arcade game. Um, and it's really fun. Hmm. And it it's like uh, like fifteen, eighteen bucks, fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars. Fifteen bucks. Which I think with that type of game, um, I'm actually kind of sad it's $15 because it doesn't seem to have a lot of player base. Uh, and it seems to be... I don't know, I feel like it should have been a free-to-play uh, well, in, in-game purchase. It went the same way Rocket League went, which Rocket League 
was out for free on PlayStation uh, Gold, and it cost money on PC. And Lame I think sauce. it caught on on PlayStation Gold, and then people picked it up on PC. So Disc Jam is out for free on PlayStation Gold, and it costs $15 on PC, you know? It's lame. Yeah, I like we it. don't very, pay for very, multiplayer, so... They're very fast-paced games, and, you, you know, you can have a lot of fun, or you can get real tilted real fast. <laughs> so, it goes into the, the category of games that uh, have fun or get tilted real quick. Yep. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of those anymore. But if you play with Frank, and Frank <laughs> starts freaking out at different shots that you make, you feel like a god. <laughs> yeah. There's also a comp- concept of supers in the game. So you have a shield that you can use to knock the disc up. If you have the shield fully charged when the disc hits you, it'll get knocked up in the air high enough that you can charge your super. And then when you throw the super, the disc has fire on it and it does like a random pattern based on like what your super is that you have selected. So there's like one that'll just like do loops towards the other person. There's one that'll do like hard 90 degree angles. Uh, and it's really hard to catch. And it just it feels really cool when you can land one of those. Also, if you can return it, you do a super back at the other person, and that feels even better. Oh, so if you catch their super or bounce yeah. the super off your shield and then toss the super back? Yeah, if you catch their super, you can throw it right back at them. Oh, it sounds so satisfying. So yeah. The second way to get the super is just if they flop it directly on top of you. Yep. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so it's any time that it's just like flopping in the air and you're able to like basically calmly catch it. Yeah, if you can stand under it for a couple seconds before you catch it, then you get your super. It's pretty neat. Um, let's move on to shift happens. Somebody put this in here. I have no idea who put this in here. I put Thank it you, in. Alex. Of course. Me and Caleb it, played all the way through it. Really? Yeah. It looks like Ibn Ob-esque, but not? Yeah, kind of. It's uh, the opposite of this jam in that you don't get tilted ever. <laughs> It's just a ton of fun the entire time. <laughs> Pretty Good, much yeah. Ibn Ab. That was Ibn Ab for sure. It was so fun to go through that game with Caleb. Like, Especially when he constantly murdered me by <laughs> suddenly becoming small when I needed to stay small. So it's Why a, is it that we're playing a lot of games recently where your friends murder you <laughs> when they know. do move? I don't know, but they're a lot of fun. Move or die. Um, what's the other one we've been playing recently? Another we actually one. played anyway. Move or Die? Death Squared. Death, Death Squared. squared. So Shift Happens is a puzzle platformer and the core mechanic behind it is that one of the characters is big. It's co-op for one. One of the characters is big and one of the characters is small and you have a button that you can press that will shift uh, your characters to the opposite of what you currently are. So like if I was small, I press it, then I turn big and Caleb turns small. Um, So a lot of the puzzles revolve around you having to turn big pick up the small guy throw the small guy into like a certain area and the small guy like turns big midair so he gets more weight behind him and like knocks something over or you're on two platforms that will transfer momentum to each other like the two different um, surfaces so you like jump from a high point turn big fall as the big mass hit the um, surface and then that will bounce the small guy up and then when the small guy is at the top of his jump he turns big and drops down like a heavy mass to bounce the other dude back up. So you're constantly like switching back and forth to like get the mass where it needs to be to be able to like move physics objects or, you know, pick up uh, boxes or throw each other. 
This game is totally ib and ob, but you're modifying your character instead of modifying the map or like right. navigating the map or the the um the specific uh, level in a certain way. Yeah. So I mean, there was four worlds. Uh, took us like three hours, I think, to beat the entire thing. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. right. Over the course of a few sittings. It has four secret. They're not really secret levels. Unlockable levels, challenge levels. Challenge I don't levels. Know. Yeah. Challenge levels. I guess. Where they're all timed. Those were mm-hmm. a lot of fun. They're they really were hard. Super difficult. I remember the and secret levels in Ibn Ab were super yeah, difficult as well. Similar. They're all like forced movement levels. So like mm-hmm. you're constantly having to progress right while the evil smoke thing comes to get you from behind or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, a lot, a lot of instances of you being like, oh yeah, this is totally what I have to do. And then you pick up your partner and huck him and he just dies because you throw him directly <laughs> into spikes or something. Yep. Like, and it was like, and a lot of one Why'd person have, having no idea what to do and the other person just doing it for them. Like suddenly, <laughs> like they realize it and they just do it and you're like, oh, nice. <laughs> like, no, you stand there. I'm going to go over <laughs> here. Uh, yeah. And there's always like secrets in each of the levels. We'd try to find those. Um, yeah. There's a concept of uh, these little points that you find in a level. They're like, I don't know, little floating orbs. Um, and when you die, your partner can resurrect you, but you also drop a bunch of the orbs and they're like floating around and you can hold a button to suck all the orbs in. So there's a lot of times where it'd be like, Caleb died. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and try to suck all these orbs in before I revive him. And he's like, really? Yeah, I'm just gonna steal all my points. Well, he just steals all of my points because I died because he that's... threw me into acid. Yeah, that sounds like an Alex move. So I mean, I did the uh... same thing. Wow. Also, the game has a super unique way of doing their credits, their in-game credits, which I think was really cool. You like play through a level that has rooms that have the credits in them. Interesting. And there's a bunch of like interactive things that you can do in the rooms. It's it's really cool. Um, before we move on to some news related stuff, I wanted to talk about one other game that came out, uh, which is Skyjacker. We own the skies. Well, at least the beta is out. Um, <laughs> this game. I just want to read you guys to just listen this like little paragraph about it. Skyjacker We Own the Skies is an intriguing blend of Pokemon Go-esque augmented reality. So, Chad, this is maybe kind of up your alley. And Owen, who else played Pokemon Go? I don't know. Um, an airplane hijacking game in which you use your phone to find real, real-time flights overhead and hijack them from other players. Skyjacker We Own the Skies uses augmented reality and real-world flight data to allow you to identify, track, and capture aircraft flying overhead. And in the game, you find planes overhead on your radar, then you flip the phone to a horizontal position and enter binocular mode, which allows you to spot the plane and hijack it. What you, learn cash, you learn cash from the aircraft and you capture, and you can also uh, use hire, or you can hire spotters and sidekicks when dealing with attacks from other skyjackers and federal agents. Uh, there are 300 types of aircraft, and you can even hijack airports, which gives you more rewards. So... Really interesting concept for a game. Um, Is it? <laughs> that just sounds like there's going to be a lot of terrorists born. Uh, it just I, sounds. It's just I was weird. Just saying man. In like light of American history, maybe not the best idea for a yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
I don't know. Like it's part of our our biggest issue in society is talking about freaking plane jackers. So building an entire game around that with based off actual planes. <laughs> yeah, and it actually shows like from what I can tell, it actually shows their uh, tail tag. It shows where they're headed, their destination, their flight path, and whether or not they're on time. So it's actually using the real world data from that plane. Oh, and it That's even shows their altitude good. apparently. So this is my favorite part. At the very end, uh, the paragraph, it says this. Uh, this game is an interesting concept that offers one of the most inventive uses for augmented reality gaming we've seen so far. However, it might be best not to use the app while you're actually in an airport or on a plane. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Yeah, I could see somebody doing that, like looking in through a set of binoculars at some planes flying in the sky and somebody sitting next to them. It's like when I was playing Hacknet on the plane. And the dude looked over at me and he's like, I could see by the way he was looking at me, like, I probably shouldn't be playing the game I'm playing. This is definitely freaking him out. I tell you what, if I got this game, I would own my airport that I work at. Ain't nobody <laughs> going to be taking that from me. Oh, you should do it, Alex. You should try, get in the beta, try it out, let us know how it goes. And you should definitely play it while you're at work. Yeah. Yeah. While you're at the what airport. What are you doing over there? Oh, I'm just, you know, hijacking airplanes. <laughs> and the airport. Don't worry about it. Um, okay, cool. Let's, um, let's move on to some new stuff uh, that we've kind of seen and been briefly talking about. There are several things we want to talk about here, but Alex, I'll let you start with uh, Mr. Musk, Mr. Elon Musk, because you brought my that boy. point up. Right. You're, did you say my boy? Yeah. My boy, Elon <laughs> Musk. My boy. Uh, I just saw him in a movie. I just watched. Wait, what? Um... He's in a movie? <laughs> I watched, uh, what was the name of the movie? Oh, Why Him? With uh, James Franco and um, what's his face from Breaking Bad? Um, Brian Cranston. Yeah, Brian Cranston no is the way. father. Uh, yeah, so they <laughs> Brian Cranston, they're at this like fancy party. Like the, the boyfriend turns out to be super rich. And so they're at this fancy party with all these tech moguls. And he's just at the bar and he's like talking to this guy, doesn't know who he is. And it's like, uh, oh, well, you know, what's your name? It's Elon Musk. And it's like, wait, the Tesla guy? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. me. And then he just like kind of walks away. I thought it was funny. <laughs> Don't even know who Elon Musk is. Come on. <laughs> hey, for what it's worth, he's credited on IMDb for being in five things, two movies and three TV shows. He's apparently been, he's voiced in South Park, he's been on the Big Bang Theory, he's voiced in The Simpsons, and he was in Iron Man 2. Huh. He's, he's basically Tony Stark, so that's <laughs> relevant. Makes sense. Checks uh, out. Yeah, so his newest venture that he's started work on, I guess, um, talking about uh, a company called Neuralink that he now owns or something like that. They're Starting. working on... He's starting it. Okay. They're working on brain computer interfaces. So <laughs> That sounds awesome. Yeah, like let's let's become augmented like you know like a cyborg essentially. Well, I think the other thing about it is a lot of the that work with like neuro pathways and everything is also to redevelop um people that have had any injuries that keeps them um, uh, paraplegic or anything like that, like yeah. it allows them to gain the neuro pathways to then recontrol their arms. Or if anything, you know, if they lost an arm, being able to 
it migrate that so you can control the mechanical arm like you would. So, I mean, it's cool stuff. I think it's, it's also uh, the primary thing I think would be just like neurological diseases like uh, MS or like anything like that. That would affect like muscular functionality or, and stuff like that. You'd be able to fix that stuff essentially by programming the the actions that you've lost into your brain with a microchip. So he one of those things like the the reason behind it is he wants to merge brain just activity with an AI. I think that's kind of how it, how he spawned what he wants to do with Neuralink. Like and I feel like. Um, I don't like that. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. I feel like this guy does, he just, he gets involved with something or he does something or he plays something or he watches something and then he's like, you know what? I'm going to start a company for that. <laughs> and and I, I, ju- I was just going to say, we just went through this and I like, that's exactly what they're talking about in Mass Effect. Like when you watch some of the memory um, things and he's talking about connecting the brain with AI in order to make humans more intelligent and not be affected by diseases. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what Elon Musk is talking about. I will I will give Elon Musk credit as well is that if he has an idea he doesn't just like like that seems neat like he goes through with it because the entire space thing is he wants to die on Mars that's his goal and so like <laughs> he's gonna do it I have every faith that that man will figure out how he's gonna end up dead on Mars and I'm just like, I love the how determined he is. Because if he just decides, like, before I'm dead on Mars, I want to be able to, like, have an AI in my head, he will find a way. And he will have that AI. Speaking of his space ventures, they're also coming up on, um, they're going to, like, relaunch one of the yep. SpaceX rockets first for the relaunch. first time. Feels so cool. So, so I was gonna... They're really progressing in that field, too. I was going to capitalize on the whole, like, he does things based on what he sees. If you remember, his second most recent company that he created is The Boring Company. <laughs> right. Um, because one day he was driving in traffic in L.A. and he got so fed up with sitting in traffic that he tweeted that he was going to make a company to literally bore tunnels under L.A. in order to not deal with traffic. And then he founded a company and then he made hats and then supposedly he rented a piece of equipment so he could actually start boring a tunnel. The so, only issue I feel like that's going to run into is the fact that you are building a tunnel underneath of LA, which is on a fault. I mean, they're already doing that in Seattle. Uh, they're digging an enormous tunnel underneath the city, like directly underneath of... I, I mean, there's Pike's tunnels market. underneath of D.C., I, I don't I'm not saying tunnels underneath things are bad, but the difference between DC and LA is the fact that DC doesn't get earthquakes. LA yeah, but what does. I'm saying is Seattle has a bigger fault line than LA does. That still seems like a bad idea though, because <laughs> I because that tunnel might not be there and I might not be there. Hmm. So unless they have some really good way of making those tunnels like earthquake proof. No, they don't. Yeah, probably not. No. If, they, if the city's I mean, going down, the is, tunnels is are probably the rest going down of it like... earthquake proof? None of it's earthquake proof, really. <laughs> well, I mean, this, the, the buildings in the city have uh, different standards of how, or regulations of how you're supposed to build them so that way they can withstand a certain amount of magnitude earthquakes. Yeah, it's the little ones, though. Whenever the I big mean, one comes up and happens, it's just going to be like that movie with the rock. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, that building they built there, San Andreas, that building was earthquake proof. See what happened to it? Yeah, right. 
I didn't watch that movie. That's the sound effect from the movie, actually. Well, it's a disaster movie, so you can imagine what happened. I, I, I have a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember when the earthquake like knocked some helicopters out of the sky. That's some good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It does whatever it wants to do, apparently. Yeah. Um, let's move on to a couple other things. Uh, 1080 Ti. Um, several of us are high-end graphics card users. I have a 1080. Alex has a set of 980 Ti's. Caleb has a 980 Ti. Chad, I have no clue what you have. 580. Woo! A what? I'm kidding. I said 580, but I actually have a 780. 780. You have two. He 780s. has two 780s. He's a couple years behind, but he's still got like yeah. flagship cards. And I think SLI. one of them has a virus on it, though. What? <laughs> one of the cards has a virus. On it's it? Provoxy, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> It found its know, way like, to your graphics like baked card. Baked into the GPU firmware. This one dude like it was kind of gave it to it. me. So I think he wanted to sabotage my computer. Maybe. Maybe. And so you know, Rocket League just keeps freezing. Yep. Not a very totally embedded something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 1080 1080Ti's just came out about or were announced about a month ago. I think it's been uh, almost the, a month now. The regular Founders Editions have been out for a while. Uh, they're sold out everywhere, so they'll right. come up for like you'll see on the subreddit. There's like they're in stock at this website right now, and then like by the time I go look at the comments, there's like, well, they're gone. Yeah. I usually just have nowinstock.com just up on my computer, and I'm watching it for them to update it. Right, but right when it updates, it says available. You click on it, it's already out of stock. So there's that issue, um, but for the most part, people don't really want the Founders Editions. They want the AIB cards from other manufacturers because they all have better cooling. They're all clocked higher. They're generally going to perform better. And usually those cards cost more money than the Founders Editions because they can get away with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything we're seeing coming out right now is the basic versions of those cards are going to be the same price as FEs, like $700 great msrp um so like for instance the evga super clocked which i think i got my 980 ti for uh like 60 dollars more than the regular 980 ti for and it was just a regular super clocked um this one's just straight the same price as the fe and the high-end cards like the ftw and like the asus uh strix card they're coming out and they're only going to be like 750 like a $50 premium for like a way better card. Does that mean you're getting one, Alex? Uh, everything's out of stock all the time. So it's kind of been stopping me and I haven't been trying super hard to get one. The other yeah. day I saw a post on the subreddit that was like these EVGA FEs are in stock at Amazon right now. And I went and looked and it was like three left in stock. And I was like, really close to hitting the purchase button uh the only things that stopped me is is i think when i get one i want to water cool it and i've been waiting for a couple new uh, like water block types to come out that are going to fit the 980 ti's or 1080 ti's and uh stuff like that so when all that stuff's out i'll take a look at what's on the market and see what i'm going to go with but i'm probably going to end up selling my two 980 ti's and picking up a 1080 ti that is Makes sense. Just so it's probably going to be like either around the same performance or maybe slightly better if I water cool it and overclock it. Uh, but I won't have any micro stuttering and I won't have any issues with SLI not working in certain games. So overall, it'd be worth it, I think. 
Speaking of graphics cards, Caleb, you've had real good experience with graphics cards of late, have you not? <laughs> I think we've actually been over this, so. <laughs> I couldn't talk about this. I guess I didn't talk about the RMA process, but. Yeah, how'd that go? Uh, it went surprisingly well. I sent it in to them, and they got it uh, like four days after, or they responded to me like four days after they got it. And they sent it back, what, maybe five days later? The only real issue was that they never talked to me, like, at all. Like, they one time, they sent a message like, hey, we got it. And they never sent anything ever again until it appeared hey, on for, my doorstep, which for, was left outside my door for, like, oh, hours. For what it's worth, I just <laughs> recently sent in my Alan Edmonds shoes to get them re-tailored, essentially. They, they like, redo the leather, redo the laces kind of fix up the soles whatnot. I went through the same exact process because I, I sent them a box and with a label on it. And you basically just write, send, it, you know, send it with a check and then they're supposed to tell you when they get it. They didn't tell me when they got it. They didn't tell me when they were working on it. And then just like three days ago, which was two months after I sent it in, I just had a box on my front door. Wow. <laughs> no communication at all. Just, oh, hey, here's my shoes. They're fixed, basically new again. Yeah, Gigabyte got it back to me really fast. They just didn't ever say anything. Um, moving on, Alex and I talk about this every year when it comes around the time of uh, the DOTS, the international TI-7. Uh, and recently it was announced that uh, they are going to be selling tickets on August 10th, 7th. April. I mean, I said August, April. April 7th, I believe. April 7th? Yes, April 7th. Way different than August 10th, which is, I think, really close to the day the actual uh, tournament's going to be going on. Uh, but this year, they decided that they were not going to sell tickets like they did last year in regards to the cost. And now it's going to be $75 for the week and $200 for the weekend. No, $100 for the week, $200 for the weekend. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. $100 for the week, $200 for the weekend. 300 buckaroos to go sit in Seattle, which is a really cool place, but sit in Seattle and watch some Dota tournament. So yeah. very expensive. And Alex wants to go still for some reason. You know, if you compare it to like a three or four day music festival, it's not that expensive. <laughs> and it's like six days of Dota. It is a lot of Dota. Although I didn't watch as much as you did a couple years ago when we went. You had work too, no? Yeah, I know. We'll see. We'll see. What uh, I've said is that we could go f sit in the actual arena for the hundred bucks for the week, and then go sit in the lawn for free and watch the grand finals on the weekend, and also be able to spend time in Seattle and have fun. Settling in a queen size bed. Yeah, I mean, why not? There's nothing wrong with that. Could totally do it. Um, let's talk about our last wrong with it. piece of uh, news here, which is um, <laughs> passing in the Senate and the House this week was um, basically the ability for internet service providers to sell your history. Um, it passed in the Senate earlier, I think actually late last week, and then passed in the House just yesterday. Um, a couple of things have come out since then. Number one, a guy started a crowdfunding website called searchinternethistory.com where he's basically trying to get donations to buy the browser history 
of one specific congressperson, um, and you're able to vote on uh, who you want them to buy. Of course, that was debunked like an hour later by several uh, news outlets who were like, yeah, you can't actually buy one person's internet history, but nice try. Um, so I think the guy's already gotten tons of donations. Uh, and and, and they can't even also, do anything with them? He's just free money? Yeah, basically. But oh, I mean, wow. think about it. It's a really good... I mean, if you were smart and you were going to be savvy about, hey, how can I make some money off of this scary news? You just say, all right, well, I'm going to make a website and I'm going to crowdsource that I'm going to buy one person's internet history and you get to vote on it. I mean, I went and checked out the website. I didn't donate anything. Thought about it. Brief second. Uh, the other cool thing that came out was uh, they had a report um, that kind of showed... From the 260, 260-some um, Congress people that actually voted to repeal FCC's rulings, the amount of money they were paid by lobbyists and internet service providers per person, and it is some freaking insane dollars donated towards campaigns last year. So, yeah, all that fun stuff happened this week. Was anybody even aware besides Alex and I? Nope. Of? Wow. Of this, all this going down? Mm, no. I mean, I, I read it quite often, and I'm following some possibly controversial Reddit subreddits. So, I mean, I keep up with most things. I did not see the government selling internet history, though. Yeah, they handed your ISP the ability to sell your internet history. Interesting. Which was previously not allowable correct no more uh how to re do 9-11 searches wow yeah, that's the popular <laughs> google search how to redo 9-11 uh, <laughs> wow <laughs> you're right you have been on some controversial just, reddit subreddit this brings you to skyjacker <laughs> website oh gosh and we come full circle um, we do come full circle. Alex, did you have anything else to say about that? I know I talked a lot. About I it. just think it's dumb. I mean, wh with this, I think we're headed to a bad place with like net neutrality and the ability to just like have a neutral internet that is provided to everybody. Like we're going to get to a point where we're going to have to pay extra for not th throttling Netflix and stuff Correct. like that at a certain Correct. point. Correct. Yeah, like right now uh, you're not allowed to like throttle certain types of network traffic or um, anything like that. So if that becomes legal, it's like, well, obviously Netflix is like a ton of bandwidth across the internet. What's They're funny be slowing is that down. This really has something to do with uh, GOP's idea of um, decentralized government or essentially non. Uh, non-government specific requirements for things that happen in normal everyday life and one of those being rulings to make sure that companies can't actually sell your data because that is essentially a government imposed uh requirement to isps in order to sell your data so it's kind of a fun little or interesting little dichotomy the difference between kind of their ideology and and what this kind of means for everyday person yeah, and the problem is, is, like, most people just don't know about it or care. Yep. Well, I mean, 
just in this podcast, it's been a good example. There are only two of us who really even knew what it, what it meant. And even with all of the protests across Reddit and everybody like rallying up everybody to call your congressman, don't let them pass this bill and everything, they're still going to just do it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you got to really look. That's one of the things that they kind of did. Um, the National Institute on Money and State Politics was the people who did the report on how much each, each congressperson who voted to repeal it was paid by ISPs. And some of these numbers are in six digits. Like there's 251,000, there's 143,000. And this is like per person. So they make you know a lot of money that is pushed towards campaigns and pushed towards um, funding their... Uh, their actual appointment in office um, that's backed by these ISPs, which is at the end of the day why they vote to repeal and make sure that they can sell our sort of data. Um, I figure we wrap up with something I just thought was kind of interesting. Um, two things. Number one, we have talked about before and and Owen, I re- I want your input on this because your input's always important. Um, I can see you're still muted. Oh, Owen, you're back. Thank you. Yeah, I'm here. Um, so two things. Number one, uh, we have talked a lot about how super hot the act- the game itself is amazing, and super hot VR is even more amazing. Uh, so two things have kind of spawned from that. One, people have realized how amazing of a game it is, and started just making games that are very similar in order to make some money off of it, especially on Steam, where you can put out a game that's very similar to another game, uh, Paladins, and then make some you know, <laughs> money off of people playing your game. Um, the other thing that happened is what they call uh, Make It Super Hot, which is basically a contest for people to take uh, existing games, um, existing sort of FPS things, and turn it into something that has the super hot concept developed behind it, meaning... Time moves when you move, and time stands still when you're physically standing still, or it moves really, really slow. Um, so I came up with a list of all of these cool things uh, that are just different types of games that are utilizing some of this 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 super hot style content, and I thought we'd go through them and just kind of read some of them, look at some of the links, and check out some of the different things that exist. Um, but I'm just going to read through this real quick, and you guys can pick up on any one of these that you find interesting. They're coming out with a super hot card game, which I'm actually probably going to buy because that sounds super duper cool. Uh, Keanu Ware, which is just a cool freaking name for a game because it's it's Keanu. So let's be honest, that's Wasn't awesome. Was the Keanu thing set up at uh, PAX? Keanu Ware? Was well, it? Oh, no. They had... Um... The John Wick. Yeah, VR they had game. the John Wick thing. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. Oh. It's different. No, that's okay. not Wick Ware. That's, this is Keanu Ware. Come on. Okay. Um, (laughs) then they have super hotline miami and i wish jake was here because he and i both love hotline miami caleb i think you do too i don't know um it's right miami uh a game that is basically hotline miami but just has super hot uh sort of um in-game timeline you know move and slow uh the red dude um, and then name. we have <laughs> so good. And then we have Super Truck, which is oh. cluster trucks, but with <gasps> super hot mechanics. Okay, that sounds freaking awesome. It, it is. It's amazing. Also easy. It sounds easy. Is it it's easy? It's not. 
It depends. It really depends <laughs> on what level you're playing. Because a lot, some of the levels in uh, cluster trucks, it re- you rely on the trucks getting to you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so if you have to move to them and make them move with your movement, it's real difficult. I'll believe that. Um, it looks super fun though. So whenever somebody tries it, let me know. Super truck. Uh, yeah, super truck. Have you tried? I just yeah. I was just explaining it. Oh, I thought you were talking about in concept. You were actually explaining what you'd just done. Okay. Yeah, I, I beat Cluster Truck, and I unlocked all the abilities, and one of the abilities is Super Truck. And so you, I didn't realize oh, until I started cool. playing Super Truck uh, what it was. And then when it turned red, and then you just mentioned that like it, it makes sense now. Is this right. made by the same dude that did Cluster Truck? I uh, it don't looks know. like it. He put it in. It I looks mean, like it's, just an it's in super. Oh, it's, it's in it's the a, game. It's an ability yeah. you can unlock in in uh, cluster trucks. That's you super just, duper cool. You just use some points and unlock it. Because there's, like yeah, there's like a published by Tiny Build and everything. Yeah. There's like a grappling hook, a double jump, feather mode, stuff like that that you unlock throughout playing the game and getting points. Um. We have a couple others here. Shootout Inc., which is like a top-down version of, of uh, um, Super Hot. Then you have two games that are very similar to each other, which is Retro Hot and Super Doom, both of which are like Doom-styled graphics or Doom-styled gameplay, but with Super Hot uh, play style. Uh, then we have um, Radiant Red. Uh, we have Super Hook which is a game where you actually get a hook and just fly around the map. Super Hop, which I think is kind of like a platformer version of, of Super Hot, because you're just like falling through the map. I don't know. It looked weird. Um, and then the one thing I didn't mention about uh, Keanu Wear is it's a play on WarioWare because you're playing Super Hot, but it's also got mini games in it that's like WarioWare-esque. So I saw a screenshot of Keanu Wear where... Instead of like most of it's you're holding two guns, but then in the screenshot there was like a third hand in the center of the screen that had a third gun. Yep. Yep. That intrigues me. <laughs> Do you have to have super to... hot to play counterware? No. I mean this is its own th- most of these are their own own. Most of them came out of like a game jam, right? Yeah. Hmm. I have to say yes to the would I play this game if it was available on Steam. The make it super hot competition. Make it super hot. Yeah. I don't know. It's cool. Um, I think they did this just because A, super hot's awesome, and B, because there have been a lot of people who are already making things that are a lot like super hot. So it's cool to see this concept. And it's a game mechanic that hasn't really been explored anywhere else. Um, so it's cool to see this happening in, in different types and different styles of games. But I think I'm going to go try Super Truck. And somebody needs to, Caleb, you need to try the red dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Alex Keanu Ware sounds right up your alley. Chad, what are you? Which one are you gonna do here? Oh, are we you have to choose. Yeah, pick one. Pick one. I'll just, try super truck. I'll just do super truck. <laughs> <laughs> Owen, I'll do super doom. I, super I don't. Doom. The Keanu Ware sounds pretty good. Wait, honestly. I already assigned the Keanu Ware. That's okay. I can do a do different it. one. Alex, what are you doing? Super hook. Super hook. Okay. Well, I like we'll try out. We'll we'll, oh, okay. we'll try out a bunch of these games, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we will uh, we'll let you know next week what they are like. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you next time.
This week's podcast was produced by me, Aaron Juno. Other voices this week include Alex McCoslin, Chad McCoslin, Caleb Juno, and Owen Powderline. This week's music was again brought to you by Amair, A-M-A-I-R, or some of you know him, Andrew Real. You can check out his music at www.soundcloud.com forward slash Amair or on Spotify. Also, this week's podcast was brought to you by Reclaim Industrial, a small but amazing shop of makers, fabricators, and designers based out of Bluemont, Virginia. You can check them out at www.reclaimindustrial with an e.com or you can check out their Instagram. Also, you can check out our website at www.wearethehorizon.com for other video content and some free stuff. Until next time, this has been The Forecast.